This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to more new laws set to take effect in the new year and begin to break down some of the top stories of the year. Plus, we'll get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the governor's priorities for 2020, addressing corruption, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. As reports highlight federal investigations of wrongdoing by people around House Speaker Michael Madigan, the governor says he's unsure what's going to happen next. After signing a bill to encourage workforce diversity, Pritzker talked about some of his major priorities for the 2020 legislative session. It starts late January. He mentioned pensions, expanding early childhood education and criminal justice reform, and lowering the price of health care, child care, and education. In addition to creating jobs for competition for labor so that we're uh, lifting up their wages while we're lowering their uh, day-to-day costs, their kitchen table uh, challenges. But for months, there have been headlines of federal investigations and arrests, raids, and more. Chicago Tribune recently reported several people interviewed by federal investigators were asked about Madigan and his political operations. Emails reported by the Tribune show a longtime Madigan ally paying a former Madigan aide for little or no work. Pritzker was asked if he thinks federal investigators are getting close to Madigan. I I don't know where those investigations are going. Um, I am very troubled, frankly by the misdeeds, by the corruption. Madigan's previously said he's not the target of anything. Regardless, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle want Madigan to explain the payments to former aide who was fired amid sexual harassment allegations. It was reported this week Madigan's son, Andrew, could be the subject of an ongoing federal investigation. That's according to The Hill, which cites anonymous sources who say that they were interviewed by federal investigators. Andrew Madigan works for an insurance company that's got contracts with four towns federal agents raided earlier this year. The report said agents specifically asked if the towns were told to sign contracts with the firm in exchange for legislative favors in Springfield. Pritzker said ethics reforms are also on the agenda for next year. In the spring session, we'll certainly be advancing, not just through the Ethics Commission, but I think the ideas of good legislators like those who stand around me today and uh, my own office. Republicans have called for a special session to deal with issues like prohibiting lawmakers from being lobbyists, but the governor said a task force should come up with the ideas first. Every Illinois household knows $11,000 for fully taxpayer-subsidized health care for state retirees. And without changes, those costs will continue to grow, according to a new report. 
Illinois has more than $137 billion of unfunded pension liabilities for retired state employees. That doesn't include costs for fully taxpayer-subsidized health care. Public finance watchdog WirePoint's President Ted Dabrowski said numbers from state actuaries show the, cover the $68 billion in liabilities each household owes thousands. $11,000 per household when you divvy, it up, divvy up the debt between households. So you know, that adds up, piles up on top of the pension debts we have. The liability, said, is going to increase. Right now, the, the claims are about $1.3 billion a year uh, that the state taxpayers are funding. And that number will grow close to $6 billion by, by 2040. He said state government's only paying bills that come due and not setting aside money for future costs. Some argue the way to solve the underfunding is to increase taxes. Dabrowski said that's not the answer. There's more debt than can ever be repaid with taxes. If we keep raising taxes to pay this debt down, people are just going to keep leaving. They already are leaving. Uh, but if we start raising the taxes to truly pay down this debt, um, we'll have fewer and fewer people. The debts aren't going away, and uh, that means the burden on, on those who remain will be larger. So it's, uh, we're, we're kind of in a debt spiral here. He pushed for a constitutional amendment to reduce benefits for retirees moving forward. State Representative Joseph Znowski said he plans to file a constitutional amendment to fully address subsidized states' retiree health care costs, something that's free for people who work 20 years or more with Illinois. Such efforts are unlikely to advance the state house, where Democrats have veto-proof majorities in both chambers. Illinois lawmakers have for years been taking funds meant to facilitate firearm owners' licenses and not paying it back. Cole Lauterbach has that story. An investigation led by the Illinois State Rifle Association has uncovered that $28.5 million in Illinois' FOID card fees have been swept from funds to be used for other purposes. The practice has been going on since Governor Pat Quinn was in office. ISRA President Richard Pearson says those funds should have been directed to increasing resources for FOID and concealed carry issuance. You can't deny people rights by simply screwing down the system so that the system will not work. Other funds have been raided, licensing for massage therapists, for example, but Pearson says not getting FOID cards issued hampers Illinoisans from exercising a constitutional right. You don't have a, a, uh, a, a constitutional right to be a nurse. State Representative Keith Wheeler from Oswego acquired the information. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul is suing e-cigarette manufacturer Juul, alleging the company targets youth, misrepresents nicotine levels, and markets its products as a smoking cessation device without FDA approval. Illinois Department of Public Health Director Dr. Nguzi Zike said youth smoking went from nearly 1 in 4 to 1 in 20 over 10 years. But youth use of vaping products jumped to more than one in four. We cannot stand idly by and watch the e-cigarette industry erase the incredible progress of the last 10 years. Enticements to vape with flavors such as strawberry, watermelon, mango draw youth in. Raul said his office's lawsuit against Juul isn't the only action they're looking to take. Undoing the work that has been done to lower youth smoking rates must be part of a comprehensive solution. And today we are starting, we are starting with Juul. A Juul spokesman said the company, they're reviewing the lawsuit, banned or committed to combating underage use. But again, Raul said he's not stopping there. My office is also focusing on policy changes and enforcement actions that will build on the work we're announcing today. Some of the state house pushing for a flavor ban, saying flavors target youth. But Marco Altamore, a treasurer for Smoke Free Alternatives Coalition of Illinois, said 
More than 95% of adult consumers use flavored products. I'm sure there are bad actors in the industry, and some have made mistakes, but we are not here to sell to youth. That's not our business model. We're here for smokers. We're here to make ex-smokers. Altamore said they'd rather see stiffer penalties for shops that sell to minors, stricter online age verification standards, and possibly requiring IDs to be scanned at the point of sale. More than 200 people have been reported to have lung injuries after vaping in Illinois. Five have died. A medical cannabis business set to sell recreational pot next month says its products are safe. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention found most cases across the country of lung injuries from vaping were linked to THC products, mostly from the black market. The Illinois Department of Public Health has said it's best to avoid vaping altogether. Chris Stone with Cannabis Business Ascend Illinois said the company has had no issues with their vaping products sold for medical patients. I think the main cause from that was, I think, the vitamin E acetate that was injected into them. Uh, We've never used that. Uh, we use a distillate process that allows for, um, you know, good quality control of our vaping products where they're safe for all the consumers. Ascend's David Jerome said the barcode system required by law for every plant grown takes them from seed to sale. Uh, to ensure that there's uh, no diversion, number one, but also number two, it's also a mechanism to provide uh, traceability in the event of, uh, of a quality issue uh, that uh, we, need to, we need to pull out of the market. Legal sales begin January 1st. Stone said, depending on the products, black market cannabis is about $55 for 3.5 grams of flour. He said the legal markets will be a little bit higher, and it'll include up to 44% tax. However, he said legal and regulated products will be a big draw to get consumers out of the illicit market. I think what we really try to do, though, is try to stay in line with the, with the illicit market in hopes that we can draw people to our facilities that understand that we are making quality product in Illinois that's been batch tested and that is safe for consumers. Stone said customers in the black market don't know what they're getting. They'll also have an abundance of choice when they go to legal stores. One thing he did warn was to expect flour shortages as it takes more flour to produce oils for things like vaping, which is becoming more popular. Nearly 20% of cigarettes smoked in Illinois are smuggled from another state. Cole Lauterbach has more. The nonprofit Tax Foundation estimates that 17% of cigarettes smoked in Illinois were not bought in Illinois. It found that by estimating the smoking rates in each state and then factoring tax collections. Analyst Ulrich Bozen says states next to Illinois are reaping the benefits, collecting more tax revenue than their smoking rates indicate those states should bring in. For the Midwest, Indiana, Missouri, as you rightly said, um, Illinois smokers will often look to those two two states. Cook County has the highest rate in America. Bozen says smuggling there is likely rampant, accounting for much of the state's lost revenue. I'm fairly certain that if we looked at Cook County specifically, that number would be a lot higher. Illinois collected $68 million in excise taxes from cigarettes in November. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Illinois still doesn't have sports betting up and running, and if you're hoping to bet from the couch, that's even further away. It's part of the state's $45 billion new capital spending for projects around Illinois. Lawmakers approved sports betting. That money's for vertical construction for things like schools. State Representative Mike Zaleski had hoped to get sports betting up and running by the Super Bowl. Um, I'm starting to get a little uh, more cautious in saying that if we could have someone placing a bet on March Madness, that'd be great. But that would only be for sports betting at brick-and-mortar gambling businesses. In terms of online, we put in a 18-month delay period for um, app-based 
sports betting from your couch. How much will it cost per bet? I've seen Indiana charge a minimum of $5 per bet. Um, I think that's probably what you'll see in Illinois. Um, I think we're going to leave it to the gaming board to set the um, minimum betting rules. There may be lower fees for online betting, but that won't be up and running for a year and a half after sports betting is allowed in brick-and-mortar locations. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up from Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This is the Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined by Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square here in Illinois. Dan, what's going on? Hey, happy to be here doing this in the same room for the uh, first time in a while. The audio quality is just fantastic. It's superb. It is. So, here, All right, so we got a lot of things to talk about. Um all about Illinois and all about things that are going on. You know, we're, we're, we're just really about a month away from the start of the, the new or the next, I should say, General Assembly. And some things are starting to come into focus, starting to clear up, at least with, with regard to priorities. Governor J.B. Pritzker uh, this past week, he laid out some of his priorities for the coming year. And um, one of them, well, I mean, when asked about it was – Ethics reform it wasn't necessarily one of his talking points, but uh, his talking points did include some uh, some interesting and well trod ground. Working on pensions, working on expanding early childhood education, mm. criminal justice reform, and sam- somehow at the same time reducing the price of health care, child care, and that same education that he's talking about improving. So uh, that seems like a difficult, uh, difficult task there. It's maybe a heavy lift. Yeah. So what's your take on this? I mean, you know, it's, it's this is now at the beginning. I mean, for the for the benefit of, of people out there listening to us on the Illinois Radio Network and on the Illinois in Focus podcast, it's not uncommon that the governor of a state well ahead of the start of a general assembly would start to kind of lay the groundwork or the foundation of, of what it is that might be on his or her mind for the coming year. Um, those are some pretty big subjects, though. Yeah, absolutely, some big subjects. You, you can't it, it, just on their face. You can't criticize any of them there because they're all worthy um, goals. The, the 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 question is, you know, how in a, in a state that can't pay its bills on time, that's pension systems are one hundred and thirty seven billion dollars underfunded. How are you going to expand early childhood education unless you have to raise taxes again? That's going to cost more. Um, how do you reduce the price of health care in the state? He didn't, of course, he didn't outline how he was going to do anything of these things. He just said these were um, his top priorities heading into uh, 2020. Well, there is actually one way he could he could help pay for new programs such as early early childhood education, and it's the biggest thing that's been facing Illinois uh, for the past 20 years that we have at the Center Square have been talking about in our entire existence, um, but that lawmakers have avoided uh, doing anything about, and that's pensions. Pensions needs to be reformed. Uh, we beat the drum on that topic on this uh, uh, this podcast 
if not every week, every other week. Um, but but Pritzker so far, and certainly the Democratic-controlled legisl- uh, uh, General Assembly, don't want anything to do with it. Mm. Yeah, it's not in, – in, I mean just cuts in general because that's ultimately what you're talking about. You know, I mean – you just can't keep you can't keep taxing, 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 uh, and resolve resolve an issue when your issue begins with the spending side, not the revenue side. Right. I mean, it's not as if Illinois doesn't have a large enough budget forty one billion with a B dollars a year, and you know throughout the course of the year we've reported in pieces just how much of that actually goes to cover pay as you go pension payments. Twenty-five percent, a full twenty-five percent of that full, or that forty-one billion dollar um, budget goes just to pay down the obligations to folks who are no, who are no longer providing services in the state because they're retired. Now, it's not that's not the retirees' uh, fault necessarily. Our pen, our our pensions are overly generous, and um, the geniuses that wrote the Constitution uh, in the nineteen early nineteen seventies uh, put a a, a, a protection clause in there that guarantees that pensions cannot be quote unquote diminished um, and those the, that includes an automatic three percent compounded uh, yearly increase for every single um, pensioner, regardless of how the economy's doing so in recession years when we went through the great recession. Um, salaries for uh, private citizens went down. Many people lost their jobs, um, but these pension costs went up 3% every right. year, 3% right. on top of 3% on top of 3%. And so, you know, so, I mean, if you take a look at, at his priorities, I mean, the one thing that wasn't included in there specifically, but, I mean, ha- I mean, it's we all know where the puck is going on this, progressive income tax. I mean, is that the panacea that, you know, through which he hopes to, to ra- raise – you know, all boats that are floating in this uh, bay of misery. Yeah, well, under his under his progressive income tax plan, which voters would would have to approve um, at the ballot box next November, um, he the, the state of Illinois would raise an additional three point four billion dollars a year um, if we if we move to a progressive income tax. Now, of course, um, the way this state spends and the way this state's uh, budget keeps increasing year in, year out, that $3.4 billion, if we don't have pension reform, uh, if we don't have spending reform, that $3.4 billion is not going to be enough. So they're going to just have to keep coming back to the well year after year. And, of course, we know that that's what's driven uh, out-migration, uh, people leaving the state of Illinois in droves, um, in the neighborhood of thirty to forty thousand a year each of the last uh, four years, um, so it's it's got to stop somewhere. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as I, I said in the in in the preamble to the start of uh, the crosstalk segment, one of the things that didn't come up immediately, but but came up when it was raised by a reporter, uh, was ethics reform. So, I mean. W- where does that fit into this? And I mean, you know, right now, I, I, you hate to say that ethics reform um, really starts and stops at Michael Madigan's door, but I mean, he's the he's the hub. I mean, he's you know he's the connector. Now that that Senate President John Cullerton's gone from the legislature, I mean, it's not as if there was any question as to actually who sat in the throne in the state. I mean, this has been Michael Madigan's state from governor to governor to governor uh, for almost as long as you and I have been alive. Yeah, so so uh, uh, 
unfortunately, uh, when asked his top priorities for next year, um, ethics reform was not one of them. But then he was asked by a reporter that question, and he did say, yes, ethics reform needs to be a top um, priority for the legislature next year. Of course, we've got um, lawmakers who have been indicted, lawmakers who have had their homes and offices raided by the FBI, um, lobbyists who are close to lawmakers um, have, have had their homes and offices raided. ComEd has been a ComEd himself has been um, uh, subpoenaed by the FBI uh, on two different occasions all this year. Um, so, so reporter had to dra- drag that out of J.B. Pritzker. Unfortunately, when he was asked about Madigan, uh, he put his hands up and said, "I don't, uh, uh, you know, I, we don't know where these investigations going, or if Madigan's a part of it or not." He he refuses to stand up to uh, Michael Madigan. We've got an example from just two years ago, when the Me Too movement uh, broke out. And, of course, Illinois state government was a part of it. And Madigan is also the the head of the state Democratic Party and has his own um, political operation. His political operation was dragged into it. Um, He prompt Madigan promised reforms then. Here we are two years later and we don't have any reforms. Um, If if we are going to get real ethics reform, Pritzker has to lead on this topic. Illinois news editor uh, Brett Rowland wrote, wrote his column about it this week. You can see it at the Center Square dot com slash Illinois. Um, and his point of view, and I agree with him on this one, is that if, if Pritchard's going to lead on ethics reform in the state, he needs to stand up to House Speaker Michael Madigan. Well, he'd be the first one. I mean, he'd be he'd be the he'd be the first the first governor, um, the first Democratic governor. Bruce Governor Rauner made it a part of a part of his uh, his administration, but he just wasn't effective. Well, and I mean, and, there, and I mean, and I, I I I agree and I disagree. Yeah, he he certainly identified Madigan as an issue to getting things done. Ethics reform, not necessarily among the top five things that 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 former Governor Rauner called him out on. But at some point in his in his uh, tenure as governor, he kind of threw his hands in the air and said, well, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, it's like, well, who's the governor? And, and, and what's the relevance of the Speaker of the House in Illinois? I mean, th- the state is so inside out with regard to where the power actually lives and, and how things get done. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you there. He, he did – he wasn't effective the first part of his uh, term, and he kind of sort of gave up uh, the second part of his ter- uh, his term. And he did, he wasn't effective at it. That's that's certainly the case. Oh, there's no question. So you know that that remains to be seen if anything significant will come with regard to to ethics reform. I mean, there's not really a. I mean, what there's a, a task force, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, another task. Yeah, force. you know. So I mean, honest to goodness, and I mean, and that is like. I mean, if you want to get the vast majority of media off of you and you're an elected official, all you say is, oh, we gotta, we're going to create a, a blue ribbon task force and we're going to put our best people on that and we'll get back to you. Yeah. OK. There's right. A, we've got a, I don't know, our, our umpteenth property tax uh, task force uh, out there that's supposed to come back with recommendations on how we're going to uh, lower property taxes. You, you know, it all comes back to one thing: pensions. That's that's how we're going to lower property taxes. The password <laughs> is pensions. So yeah, yeah. I, and as long you know, as long as House Speaker Michael Mike Madigan, the, the status quo favors him. He has all the power. 
He consolidated all the power within him, his office, both from a political standpoint and the government standpoint. He doesn't want changes. Until he's gone, I don't see significant changes coming. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm with you. Not to, you know, not, you know, not to just sort of, uh, I guess, acquiesce to, the, to the st- that status quo, but I don't see how it gets unseated unless it gets unseated by authorities greater than those that Correct. govern the state of Illinois. And, 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 and you know, uh, uh, Pritzker has a pretty significant bully pulpit as a Democratic governor overseeing a Democratic state with a Democratic-controlled legislature, if he really wanted ethics reforms, he could be a bully and pound and fist and, and insist yes. uh, Democratic – I'm fairly certain most Democratic lawmakers underneath Madigan in the House uh, agree that this needs to happen, but they're afraid to speak out. Well, we'll save his uh, – we'll save Governor Pritzker's report card for his uh, first anniversary – uh, which is not too far in the offing, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, a few the, weeks. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, you know in the middle of January. But um, from from those people who just kind of keep an eye eye on what's new and what's coming up. I mean, we've got I think it's two hundred and fifty plus new laws that go into effect in on, that range on yeah. January first, and one of them is is kind of subtle, and um, I don't know that it got a lot of interest and a lot of of um, of real like blowback because it, it came up very quickly and went through the legislature very, very quickly. But they're capping the trade-in value on cars at $10,000 per sale. So if you've got a car that's, you know, I don't know, maybe you own a business and you got a, a work truck or if you own a, a car that still has a residual value of $30,000 at trade-in, when you take that car in to buy a newer car, whether it's a new or used car, if it's of higher value, the, your trade-in value is capped at $10,000 for tax purposes, whereas you used to be able to recapture the difference, the margin between the price of the car you were buying and the value of the car that you were trading. So that means that depending on what county you live in, and I mean if you live in Cook County, I think the people in Cook County pay some something crazy like eight point five or eight point seven five percent and the vast majority of the states somewhere around seven or seven and a quarter that you're going to be paying seven and a quarter percent on every dollar above ten thousand dollars worth of that trade so you're going to essentially be be um paying taxes on a at least a a portion of your car twice because when you buy the car of course you're paying taxes uh sales taxes at the purchase price you go and you trade your car in um, and it's worth more than $10,000, you're paying ta- t- sales taxes again yes. on whatever that value amount is above the $10,000. Uh, uh, another uh, columnist uh, that, that writes for the Center Square, Austin Berg, used an example this year. Uh, uh, this week, again, you can read it at thecentersquare.com slash Illinois. Um, if you had a car that uh, you, you bought a car for, you know, what, whatever, $30,000, $35,000, you're ready to trade it back in. It's it's worth twenty thousand dollars now. You're going to pay an additional almost a thousand dollars a year in taxes just on the trade in, and then of course you're going to pay uh, full full sales tax on the car you're bought, buying. So that would make the purchase of that car about a thousand dollars more expensive. Yeah, it's bananas. It's bananas. I, I'm I'm surprised that there isn't more outrage around that because I think 
that is going to ultimately, you know, how does that tax work in the market, right? Taxes, the way that they're conceived, I mean, who knows what goes through the minds of legislators when they're trying to come up with ways to, to generate more revenue. And that's been the, the crush. I mean, this past year was like, okay, what can we put another tax on? How can we, how, you know, how can we squeeze a few more dollars out of this segmentation of activity, business activity in the state of Illinois? And I think that's why it sort of got lost in the shuffle. Um, you, you, the legislature this year incre- doubled the state gas tax, right. um, uh, increased um, the cost of uh, uh, renewing your driver's license yes. by 50%. Yes. Um, put uh, uh, new taxes, uh, legalized um, gambling. Actually, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, legalized marijuana but and put, and put significantly high taxes on that. And I know I'm missing a bunch of other tax increases that yeah, probably to long enough, you know, to, to get from your shoulder to the end of your yeah. sleeve. And you buy cat. And you, I mean, people buy motors, buy gas, you know, at least every week, right? right. If, you, if, you well, if you commute to work or whatever. Yeah. So there, there was a lot more focus on that. And maybe you buy and sell a car once every couple of years, depending on how many cars in your family. So I think that's why it flew under the radar. But my point on that is, that's going to make you think twice about trading your car in. Oh, absolutely. You're going to hold that car longer than maybe that you necessarily than you would have otherwise. Car and dealers are outraged about this tax. It's, well, it's it's a it's an obstacle to the market because certainly it's going to affect auto sales. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, it's just oh, it's it's just one more layer of of uh, of goofiness as as far as it goes, you know, with life in Illinois. Um, something that is new that's coming to Illinois. Um, was supposed to be getting going uh, around the first of the year, but is not going to start in all likelihood until at least a few months into the year is legalized sports gaming. Right. So John Spataro, who produces Illinois in Focus, also is a co-host mm-hmm. of State Lines, uh, a weekly podcast that looks at sports gaming. They don't talk us about the lines. It gives you some if you if you're so inclined to throw down a few dollars uh, over at uh, Jimmy's Tap and Grill, you know, through your uh, local uh, uh, just-for-fun agents. I was going to say, yeah, would that be legal? Uh, probably not. I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm not sure. You know, so, I mean, we neither, we neither recommend or, or dissuade anyone from whatever activity they choose to do uh, around uh, gambling with their friends. And I think that's what this is really all about. But at any rate – doesn't look like we're going to have legal gambling in place or legal sports betting in place uh, until after the Super Bowl. And we're seeing some other reports because this program is just an idea, not yet really fully formed, until maybe after March Madness. So there was, I believe, in the budget a not an insignificant amount of money. I mean, for the state of Indiana, nearby Indiana, um, they had a handle that was somewhere in the neighborhood of $92 million dollars. Uh, in the month of October, and that's a state that's less than half the size of the state of Illinois. In fact, it's probably more like one-third the size of Illinois. And uh, I don't know about you, my friend, but uh, I do know some people that like to throw around a few bucks uh, every now and again and, and pretty much would bet on whether it's going to rain the next day. I think there's a missed opportunity here. John, what's going on with this? Could you just give us some color and insight? Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be on the program with you, too. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller here. Uh, but we do have some interesting information. As Chris mentioned, Jason Gotch and I over uh, with the uh, Illinois Radio Network distribute uh, State Lines, which is a sports betting program. We've been following it since the beginning of the NFL season uh, in hopes to be able to bet legally within our state here in Illinois on January 1st. 
our own Greg Bishop did a story on the uh, on the Illinois Radio Network and also on the Center Square this week about how uh, Democrat Rep. Uh, Mike Zalewski, suburban Chicago rep, uh, admitted now, I, I think that would be the right word, that it is not going to be in place, uh, forget January 1, but not even the Super Bowl, which would be February 1. And I believe his words were, um, they're even hesitant to say it would be ready for March Madness. So what was promised uh, back in July for Jan 1 now looks like March 1 or even April 1. Uh, and and there's a, a couple caveats that I want to get through there. The, the, the number one thing that I think is of issue is that Zalewski alluded to, even if they do get it up and running, if you are able to bet during the month of March, that would be in brick-and-mortar locations only. That would likely be the casinos that you already know. I, I don't think anything can really get built uh, from the ground up and, and installed between now and March. So it would be a place that already exists, and they would just have a, a, a new betting counter to take bets. Uh, but what's really important, and I, I pulled some numbers for you guys here, is the fact that uh, Zalewski said there has been um, already an 18th month, 18 month delay on mobile betting, which means you being be able to be betting on your phone. So, uh, for example, we talked to Chris. You just mentioned uh, Indiana brought in, uh, you know, 97 million dollars or handled 97 million dollars of bets in October. That number has actually ballooned in November to 143 million dollars handled wow. in the month of November, uh, and not surprisingly. 65% um, of those bets uh, were handled by mobile between DraftKings and FanDuel. So not only is the state you know, taking their time getting this even off the ground, the 16th month or the 18-month delay that uh, Rep Zalewski alluded to when he was talking to Greg Bishop is really the poison pill there for this whole uh, you know, fun part of your hype train, you, whatever you want to call it, on our way to accepting legal bets because that's not going to happen now for what's 18 months from now. 2021. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it might not be in time for March madness. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if, if it, if it were 18 months, it it would, yeah, possibly if they get that done, which it would, and that's a, I mean, why wouldn't you start with mobile? I mean, I'm just sorry to interrupt you, but I want to throw, I want to bounce past this to you. Why wouldn't you start with the idea of mobile betting being the first and foremost thing? If a state like Indiana, you know, and I'm not dogging Indiana, well, no, don't, not really. I mean, not really. But I mean, you think about just in terms of connectivity and 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 technology. I mean, wouldn't you think that more of Illinois has access to broadband than Indiana? I mean, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. Maybe I'm, I sound like in a, you know, I'm one of those Chicago elitists, right? You know, <laughs> well, it it has to do with the forward thinking nature of Indiana and the backward thinking nature of Illinois. A, a, it's an afterthought. Yeah, a 1992 federal law had, had outlawed sports betting everywhere except Nevada, right? Yeah. That was challenged in court. The Supreme Court in May of uh, 2018, so a year and a half ago, uh, said that was unconstitutional. States knew that decision was coming for for years. Right. So they've had time. So the Indianas and the Iowas have and other states around the country knew it was coming had time to prepare did prepare had laws ready to go illinois of course wait didn't um and this is what happens uh uh this is what happens when you're worried about uh, uh getting close to passing a balancing budget year in and year in out <clears throat> worrying about rising uh pension deficits year in and year out uh to, Dealing with uh, Me Too, sexual harassment, and other kinds of harassment at the state house, dealing with corruption, 
these other things uh, cloud out what needs to be done here, and that's why Illinois does not going to have sports. Right. The bu- right. The business of actually run it, running the state and doing things that are contemporary to what's happening in other states, it, it just it's not here. It's overshadowed by it, all the other problems. We and have. that's just Indiana with sixty five percent. I just found also a, maybe a better comp would be New Jersey. New Jersey brings in more than Indiana. They're a little bit more uh, ahead because they started earlier. We're they're still mo- we're still a bigger state, by the way. Their their mobile their mobile betting percentage is eighty percent. So over eighty percent of the bets that are placed in the New Jersey books come from mobile, which is I'd say relevant for being a close to a major metropolitan area. New Jersey also has a lot of suburban areas that I'm sure take advantage of from, that. From my phone, from my phone, okay, I can buy a new car. From my phone, I can have Chinese dinner sent to my house immediately. From my phone, I can do pretty much anything that I would normally do conventionally. Except cast a bet in Illinois. (laughs) Except cast a bet in Illinois. Come on. (laughs) Come on. You'll be able to order, uh, uh, you know, your your weed of choice with your phone before you'll be able to place a bet. That's your, you're going to bet on that? I'm pretty sure. I'll bet you $10. If I could bet legally on that, I would. Can we bet on that, I don't think I will be able to. I think that's illegal still. Put your money on the counter. Come back to me in 2021 or... 2022 whenever uh, we don't we don't condone gambling and john thanks for stopping by not illegal gambling pleasure speaking of illegal gambling yes hey you know what if you were thinking about and this listen to me listen to me illinois i need to have a one-on-one with you you need to come into uncle chris's corner just have a chat if you were thinking about giving one of your minor relatives a lottery ticket in their in their stocking my friend don't do it Illinois Lottery says that – like, we don't know this, right? I mean, but they say don't, don't give tickets to minors. Well, okay, that's a great idea. Don't give tickets to minors. So it's, a, it's obviously a, 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 an almost unenforceable law. But, uh, I, I, you know, I read this story this week that, that's uh, at the Center Square by reporter Jim Moran, and I laughed because – that's sort of been a tradition in our household <laughs> for, for as long as I can remember. We I, we have in you know I've I've got um, relatives in Texas and Pennsylvania and of course we live in Illinois and we we all buy lottery tickets in our states and send them out to adults and minors to others and that's one of the exchanges that we do and uh, so we've it turns out we've been breaking the law. I guess I shouldn't have. Uh, Admitted that it's a on terrible a podcast, but Dan, it's been great knowing you. I think you're going to probably do five years for that. <laughs> well, it's you know it's too bad because my my seven year old said something about you know dad you know for Christmas I want uh, the LOL uh, disco cat you know fun set and you know six forty dollar scratcher tickets. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I, you have to talk to Santa about the scratcher tickets. I don't know what to tell you, kid. Well, good for her. At least she's uh, she's looking out. For she's like, I'm trying to get the five X here, Dad. Let's go. You know that other thing. You're. I don't know what the heck that was. Uh, thank goodness your, your your kids are like all, all grown up, and and you don't have to buy uh you know bo- plastic boxes full of plastic things that you wind up stepping on in the middle of the night. And then, then they play with the boxes more than they play with the things. I, I wish that was the case. I wish they'd play with it. You know, play with anything other than the you know uh, Xbox or. Uh, you know, one of those uh, newfangled video games, my friend. I don't know, you know, whatever. 
So um, any other thoughts on this uh, on this lottery debacle? I mean, is there anything – any other crimes you'd like to admit that you've committed, you know, in, in, in the sense of having a happy Christmas with your, uh, with your family? I definitely have not smoked illegal marijuana in the last however long. All right. Well, that's okay. You want to keep going? <laughs> no, I think we should end <laughs> Are there. you done there? Yes. All right. Well, for Dan McCaleb – I think we're out of time. <laughs> you're feeling like you're out of time. Yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, Dan will be back next week and uh, not be under indictment for this uh, whole lottery ticket thing that, uh, that unfortunately, he's spun himself into. John, can you cut out this entire segment? For John Spataro and Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus Crosstalk on the Illinois Radio Network and through fine podcast sites everywhere. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what we're working on next week. Next week, we're closer to the end of the year. More than 250 new laws set to take effect. Our team at the Center Square will get you all the new things you need to know about from employers, parents, students, drivers, and even those in the criminal justice system. We'll also begin to compile the state's top stories of 2019. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.